Welcome to the Five Smooth Stones podcast with Daniel Watts, the director of the EGM Institute. Some weeks ago, I was teaching in our children's ministry at church, and the teaching was on being frank and honest with God, even when we're discouraged, frustrated, or even angry. We were examining Jonah chapter 4, where Jonah expresses his frustrations and even suicidal anger towards God. Rather than getting a new prophet, which is what I probably would have done, God continues with Jonah, teaching him and helping him navigate his feelings based on error as they were. One of the activities was to take a blown up balloon and paint your face on it, depicting how you were feeling. The kids had fun, including one of my high school helpers. Later that Sunday afternoon, I received an email with a picture of a balloon that was drawn by my high school helper with a very sad and downcast face. The email was from the high school girl's mom, and I could see how much the teaching had impacted their daughter. My high school helper had a bad afternoon, and even though we were teaching children, the experiential Bible teaching activity meant something to her. This is our common life experience. Each day, we go through a vast number of experiences, many of which cause us to try to understand them through a biblical lens. It goes on from when we lie down to when we get up. Experience is a powerful teacher and goes on 24-7 even as we sleep. And that's exactly what's behind Moses' reference to sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up in Deuteronomy 11, verse 19. As we mentioned in an earlier podcast, these four phrases can be understood in two ways. First, they can be paired as merisms. Opposites are juxtaposed to communicate a sense of all-encompassing. Sit at home, inactive, walk along the road, active, lie down, sleeping, get up, awake. We human beings are either active or inactive. We're either awake or asleep. So with these four phrases, Moses is referring to all of life. These four ways of being encompass everything we do. 24-7, 365 days a year. In fact, and this is the second and completely compatible understanding, these four place commonplace activities of walking, resting, waking, going to sleep, compromise the kind of rhythm of an Israelite's regular life. We use similar phrases in English like top to bottom, front to back, and A to Z. Moses is urging the Israelites to talk about God's word in the experiences of everyday life. And therein lies the challenge for the church, children's workers, and parents. Children are involved in the Christian community to varying degrees, and to impact a child's life, there has to be a kind of coordinated effort between church and family in teaching children throughout the everyday experiences of life. Talk to any parent or any children's ministry leader, and you'll hear this issue discussed. How does the church work with parents to teach children God's word in the everyday living of life? 
This is particularly significant when the church, as well as the nuclear family, is increasingly isolated and even under attack in many cultures. Since experiential teaching is so crucial in Deuteronomy 11, let me suggest some ways forward. And although my views of these biblical principles have been been influenced by years of ministry around the world, different cultures, my particular concern regards the situation here in the United States. It's apparent to me that the problem lies with the view of church and family that has drifted from biblical moorings. In the last several decades, a strain of Christian teaching has emerged that places the nuclear family at the center of God's redemptive purposes. This has been compounded by a cultural assault on families, particularly those holding a Christian worldview. Many in the homeschool movement have been influenced by this kind of teaching, and the unintended result has caused tension between churches and families. Many parents complain about overprogramming in churches, and churches find parents prioritizing their family over the church community and service. Children's ministry leaders search for ways to partner with families as if they are two separate entities negotiating for a kind of win-win outcome. The way forward on this issue is to realize that the Bible establishes the family as a basic social unit from creation. When Adam and Eve are created, familial terms are mentioned, father, mother, wife. The first family was established in Genesis 2.24. Genesis continues with stories of Noah and his family in chapters 6 through 9. And the call of Abram, Genesis 12, is followed by the stories of the patriarchs and their families. Although the people of God emerge in Exodus, the family remains a central element in God's economy. The Proverbs are replete with family wisdom and so on. One can hardly dispute the central place of the Bible, of the family in the Bible. However, In the New Testament, we see the emergence of the church as a community of believers and Jesus himself stating that his mother and brother are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. While Paul does address parents and children, the community of Christ followers emerge as the stage on which the redemptive plan of God will be revealed. The church, including families, is a community of Christ followers and not two separate and competing entities. Partnership might not be the best term to use when families are an essential element and a large element of the church. If we return to a biblical view that sees the church as the bride of Christ and the spirit-filled community of God's people— and families as a basic spiritual unit in that community, we're on better biblical footing that leads to some practical steps. The entire church community should be committed to ministering to children in the community and in society at large. The teaching in Deuteronomy 6 is addressed to all of Israel in the famous Hear, O Israel phrase in Deuteronomy 6, 4. This, therefore, includes singles, youth, elderly, and parents, all of Israel. 
My wife and I wanted to be part of a church where the entire community was concerned about our children and their friends. Second step is the church should train parents in teaching their children through the everyday experiences and living of life. This requires parents to know God's word and to be able to integrate it informally through talking about it in the everyday experience of life. Too many fathers feel as though their leadership role is to be the leader of family Bible studies, devotions, and some kind of family preaching. While there's certainly nothing wrong with that, the Bible refers to training children in wisdom, Proverbs 22.6, which is defined as applying God's word in real life, not just knowing God's word. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20, teach a more informal kind of Bible teaching in the experience of everyday life. The third step is children, churches and families should work to, together to be aware of the church's teachings on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights so that families and other caregivers can be working during the weeks the weekdays to integrate that teaching into the daily experiences of children. Children's workers should realize, and most do, that parents and other caregivers are living with children day in and day out and are positioned to talk about God's word and real life experiences. Parents should realize, and most do, that a Sunday school class can have an enormous impact on their child. Just remember Nicodemus and his one evening encounter with Jesus in John chapter 3, if you have any doubts. And finally, the last step, the church, including its families, knows that many children are living in single-parent settings. Many attend church with friends and have non-Christian parents. For many, the only Christian influence those children receive is through the children's ministry. Many parents have come to Christ as a result of their children's influence. Moses' recognition that experience is a profound element in spiritual teaching should urge churches and families to work together to see children, including their own, come to Christ and live the life God intends. Every year in one Polish village during the Fall Harvest Festival, There's a competition among farmers to see who has the strongest horse. The contest involves horses pulling wagons with increasing weight. One year, the contest came down to two young workhorses, both able to pull amazing amounts of weight. Declaring a tie, the villagers hitched the two horses together to pull one wagon. They were amazed to see that together the horses pulled not twice the weight, but nearly four times the weight that one could pull. And so it is with churches and families. Working together, we can see tremendous fruit evidenced in the lives of boys and girls. So this Sunday, or this Saturday, think of ways to work together with families so that more children might know Christ and experience the life he intends for them. Join us next week as we look at Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20 and the issue of narcissism and teaching 
the Bible truth to our children. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Our next Five Smooth Stones podcast will be this same time next week. To learn more about life-changing children's ministry, check out the EGM Institute website at www.egminstitute.org.